It's the Persistent and Nasty Podcast at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe 2023 series. The episodes will be released at various different times, so make sure that you have subscribed so you get notified when a new episode has dropped. We have some amazing guests coming up for you and I know that you won't want to miss them. They will be everything from circus performers to theatre makers to singers to spoken word poets and we can't wait to share all of them with you. Remember, if you are taking part in the Edinburgh Festival Fringe or you are just going for a visit, remember your rain jacket, your comfy shoes and a pair of shorts because you never know the weather that you're going to get in Edinburgh. But what you are guaranteed is some incredible pieces of theatre. Enjoy the episode and remember... Stay nasty. Hello you gorgeous lot and welcome to another episode of the Persistent and Nasty Podcast, Edinburgh Festival Fringe Series 2023. I hope that you're all doing really well, being kind to yourself, looking after yourself and being kind to each other. And for those of you at the festival, we are officially into week two, so I hope that you are doing well, drinking lots of water, getting some fruit and some vegetables and remembering that the average number for any show at the festival is four so even if you're only getting one person in your show you've already hit a quarter of what is the average at the festival and if you are hitting one two three still congratulations because it's bloody hard it's a hard slog there are thousands of things for people to go and see and you are doing amazing so just remember that and we support you well done Today, Louise and I chat with. Um, today, Louise and I chat with Larissa Faber and Eugenie Pasteur, and we talk about Stark Bollock Naked, um, which is Larissa's show, and Eugenie is the performer, the co-performer in the show. Um, small trigger warning for everyone is this show is based on Larissa's own experience of abortion and I just want to flag that as there is brief mentions of that and also some mentions of infertility and we discuss uh, and we discuss the biological clock and all the things that come along with that so maybe if this isn't the episode for you today if you're not feeling that if you're going through your own stuff we have plenty of other episodes from the festival series and you can always come back to this when and if you feel ready. As I say, we talk about a lot in this show. We talk about drama schools, uh, we talk about meeting people who you really want to collaborate with, we talk about the inspiration for Stark Bollock Naked, we talk many, many things. We also talk about the fact that Larissa is uh, originally from a country that was a communist country and how that shifts and how you have to navigate that really quickly when all of a sudden you are no longer a communist country so really fascinating insight into that and just uh, information for everybody so you know exactly where you can find Stark Bullock Naked. The show is on at Assembly Roxy downstairs from now until the 28th of August at 3.10pm. 10, 10 past 3, that sounds weird for me. At 15.10, 3.10 or 10 past 3. 
Um, me and my things with time throughout all of these episodes. Very, I don't know what's going on. Anyway, it's a really brilliant episode and it was an absolute joy for us to chat with both Larissa and Eugenie um, and I hope that you enjoy it and all details for the show are in the show notes of today's episode. Remember, if you are enjoying the podcast and you like and support the work that we do we would be forever grateful if you can support us you can become a persistent pal or a nasty hero by following the link in the episode notes in the episode notes in the show notes of today's episode um or you can donate the price of a cup of coffee to us if you can sign up to a monthly um, payment which we completely understand and get it trust us we get it and to those of you who already are a persistent pal and a nasty hero thank you from the bottom of our hearts you keep this little mighty podcast of ours going you keep the coffee mornings going which are really important for all of us in our community and especially right now and you help louise and i be able to do the advocacy work that we do in the background so thank you so very much and if you can't afford to help us out financially at the moment you can absolutely help us by sharing um all of our social media posts about the podcast retweeting um is it still being called retweeting who knows but it's still in my book retweeting um you can download like review subscribe and share the episodes of the podcast because that really does make a huge difference not just to us but to all of our incredible guests who give us an hour of their time for a conversation and they deserve to be as heard by as many people as possible so once again thank you very much if you're a persistent pal or a nasty hero or have ever given us the price of a cup of coffee and if you share all of our stuff we are eternally we are eternally grateful you can follow us on all social media. Again, I say all, not TikTok. Still not done it, I know. Uh, Twitter, at Persistent Nasty. Instagram, at Persistent and Nasty. Facebook, Persistent and Nasty. Check out the website at www.persistentandnasty.co.uk and you can always send us an email to persistentandnasty at gmail.com. You can also check out our blogs, which are all up on our website as we speak um, and you will see that as you go on to the website. You, there's also links on all of our social media to the blogs as well. There's some really great reads about some amazing shows out just now, so please, please, please give them a little read share send it out to all of your friends you can also follow louise and i on social media louise is at ms louise oliver on both twitter and instagram and i am at elaine.stirrit on instagram and threads and at elaine Stirrit on twitter oh for today's episode i don't know water i think it's probably where we're at everyone yeah hydration maybe uh oh a little see i wish i liked white wine well i do like it but it makes me go a little bit eh uh, dramatic is probably the right word um so maybe a glass of white wine a nice cool glass of white wine or uh i'm clearly in my cocktail phase because i'm thinking a margarita again or i mean i love a pina colada or a french martini basic i know but they're classics for a reason uh a beer something fruity coffee hot chocolate or you know you can always just have a good old cup of tea Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Yes, yeah, so welcome both of you to the Persistent and Nasty podcast. Um, 
very excited to chat to you about your show that you have at the Edinburgh Festival, which is starting in like two days. Yes, it's very, very soon. We've got our first preview tomorrow. We had tech yesterday. So, uh, but we're we're feeling, I I mean, I'm quite an anxious person, but I'm feeling quite um, okay about it. And apart from a little acne breakout on my forehead. (laughs) And what about you? No, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great about it. You look great. Tech went really well. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Loving the love so much. Uh, So Larissa and uh, Eugenie, is that how I say it properly? Yes, perfect. I wanted to get the accent and say it's really cultured there and everything. Like, I love the hair flip. Like, yeah, the hair flip's happening, forgetting yeah. that I've not actually been recorded and it's just our voices that are going out. You'd think after four years I would remember, but never. <laughs> um, so, yeah, tell us about um, both of yourselves, your background, how you find yourself in this wonderful industry of ours. Oh, wow. Um, so, I'm. Uh, a Luxembourgish Romanian actor. I trained at Drama Center. Uh, I moved to the UK when I was 19 and then I stayed there for a, a while. Um, and I've been working as an actor mainly for the last decade. I mean, time really flies. No, it's a trite <laughs> thing to say, but time does fly. <laughs> and um, I would say about three to four years ago, I started making my own work. And it took me a while because I did different projects or devised work before but it took me a long time actually to I guess find the confidence to do something of my own and to just put it out there and I developed uh, the first show I developed was in 2019 at Camden People's Theatre in London and that's the show we're taking to Edinburgh so it's been a, a, a long but really beautiful and fruitful kind of journey for for this show and um, Camden People's Theatre is a really important venue for for sort of my um, career development as a self-producing theatre maker because that's also where I saw Eugenie for the first time. I saw her and her um, partner, her company partner, mm-hmm. Shamira Turner. They uh, have a company called She Goat and they performed at Camden People's Theatre in a wonderful show called The Undefinable. And that's where I spotted them. And whenever I see people, you know, that I, I sort of have like a, a, a mental spreadsheet. I'm like, mm, clock them. Don't forget about them. <laughs> and so I needed someone who's an actor musician. And um, because I have a, a kind of a, a thought in my mind, I do would like to take this show to the Avignon Festival as well, if possible. And so I thought, hmm, maybe someone bilingual, French, English, you know, then. <laughs> and so here we are with, with the lovely Eugenie. I'm delighted to have made a spreadsheet. <laughs> yes. I was um, just thinking, Louise, you'll love that spreadsheet. Oh, yeah, my, my ears pricked right up. I was like, oh, spreadsheet, spreadsheet <laughs> of contacts and, and delightful women. I, I know that feeling very well of just like encountering a performer or a collaborator in the early point that you meet them and going, I'm going to keep you. I'm going to fail you in the brain spreadsheet. <laughs> exactly. And then you sort of, you, you kind of hope that you get to collaborate with them soon because I it was it's really exciting I think when you see someone who is so talented and capable on stage and it, it it's just such a wonderful feeling to see someone's work and you're like oh I really want to work with you and then you you kind of have to keep them maybe in your head and think oh when 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 could I approach them and hopefully they'll they'll um also be interested because Eugenie could have said no nah, thanks <laughs> I'm good actually <laughs> oh, thank you, Eugenie, that, what about you what uh, what brought you into our industry um so I I moved to the UK about 
13, 14 years ago, I think now, um, to do, to study. And so I moved to London. Um, and before that, two years prior, and it's important because it's kind of like um, the seeds of how I'm here today, um, I did an Erasmus exchange. So it's a, a university exchange between my university in France and the University of Kent in Canterbury. And there I met people who were going to become Little Bulb Theatre, um, so another uh, UK-based company. And so when I moved back two years later to study, I moved in with some of those people whom I'd met at university, and I started collaborating uh, with them, and so became a, an associate artist of Little Bulb Theatre. Um, so it was, I basically became a professional theatre maker through making theatre in a professional context in the UK, if that makes sense. Um, so I'm originally from France. Um, and then, yeah, then I just kept making the work for Little Bob Theatre. And then I started working as um, a theatre maker with other companies. Uh, I made a solo project as well, which was a one-on-one -on -one performance called Pube, um, where I invite an audience member to draw portraits uh, with me um, using their own pubes or not, depending on whether they want to give some or not, um, to invite conversation around, um, you know, body confidence and um, agency and, and all that. And I, with another member of Little Bob, uh, Shamira Turner, we, we made, uh, we created She Goat um, eight years ago now, and we've been making our making work ever since. Um, and alongside that, I teach at university in, um, in a performance making course. So I'm not the actor route, I'm very much the maker route, but you know, they all, they all converge. So yes, that's, that's how I, I'm here. <laughs> and I, I heard of Larissa's work, um, I think like um, you were on my radar from like uh, Calm Down Dear and uh, and She's never told me people theater <laughs> and like you know feeling those um, those connections. Uh, so when Larissa got in touch, it was really interesting to yeah a to be to have been asked and also to um, yeah it felt really exciting to um, to join a project that also had um, an international team and was making work in English within a UK context, but also in Luxembourg, but from a um, migrant's perspective, that felt really exciting to me and like to think of where language fits within that and perspectives on the way the UK theatre scene works and the way it works in Europe. And yeah, so that felt really exciting as well. I mean, it is really, um there's so many similarities and differences with the way the UK work and the way obviously European theatre works as well and um, I think what was really important that you just mentioned obviously is a uh, you're being able to come over here and study and vice versa if people wanted to um not to get political but to get political <laughs> um and alas we can't do that no more um and I think there's something really a uh, important and exciting that you are a group of people who as you say talking about it from a migrant point of view and about the different languages that come across in that and how actually theatre helps us uh, connect throughout all of that just felt yeah. really important um, and Larissa I would love to ask about um, Drama Centre and how that was for you I loved it god I loved Great. it 
it's such a strange thing though that it doesn't exist anymore like I, yeah. I i i do feel a certain um I, I don't know comfort in in being part of a community even if that is such a superficial thing as a drama school where you trained and you know people sort of also know these premises and it's such a formative time of your of your life it really is such a weird and strange environment at drama school isn't it because you're sort of thrust into a room with uh, 17 or whatever however many we are strangers and you're expected more or less from day one to behave like a family you're expected to trust you're expected to really make something together it's a very artificial environment in that sense but it was it was just so so formative for me also because it was majority I would say most of um, the people on my course at that time were from the UK or an English speaking country so there was also someone from Australia one from Canada and one from the US and then there was this Greek guy and me so we were the only ones who didn't have English as a I would say native language you know first language so that was also a very strange context for me to be in but very very important I think because it's actually thanks to drama center that I feel I managed to um, be become more more integrated into British society whereas before I kind of I was very much operating in uh, communities that were also you know other people from continental Europe or from abroad and this is the first time I actually made very deep meaningful friendships with other British people and got to learn about their lives in a much more meaningful way. Great to hear. It's really, um, I don't mean that in a bad way, but um, Louise and I, it's because we've had many people on the uh, podcast before who have gone to Drama Centre and have very different. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, love oh, that. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I didn't even have to finish that sentence there. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, trauma is well, a lovely thing. I mean, I remember also, like, we have this tradition in our little group of friends every friday we'd go to weatherspoons i mean i'm not recommending this but but anyway this was our coping mechanism every friday after class we'd go to to weatherspoons and have an assorted array of drinks and essentially have a cry you know about what happened during the week and being like that teacher didn't notice me or this one did that or here and there and i was forced to, it, it was i mean it was intense <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think all drama training is intense, right? I don't think, I think wherever you go, I think there's always Friday afternoon, are we going to the pub? Please say yes. Once again, I'm not uh, encouraging people to drink alcohol if that's not their bag. Um, but yeah, you met, Janine, where did you go to school? Well, um, I didn't train um, as a theatre baker. I did the, the very much the academic route. So I went to, um, you know, French universities and then I ended up at Royal Holloway to do a PhD that um, in performance, but that didn't have a, a practical side to it. I used my practice as part of the, the dissertation that I wrote. Um, but yes, the, I, I don't know, I, I've always, you know, performed in like um in in France there's very much the amateur versus professional divide so in an amateur capacity in France um and then when I came to the UK I, I like to think of my training as little bulb in a way like through doing and making that's very much the school I went to if that makes sense yeah no it does and I I think that amateur dramatic a uh, amateur 
professional is the same here as well there's a there's a snobbery there but the skills that you can learn um are incredible and mm. so I think there's you know there's a real snobbery about that because also not everybody can afford to go to drama school so oh my god but now it's insane I mean mm. it really is absolutely insane that's I mean everyone knows it I'm not sure why I said it but I do think it's insane every time no because also I do I, I kind of can't help myself to make this very unhelpful and useless comparison where I think of you know friends who studied in Germany or Belgium or or France you know paying a broccoli and an egg mm. for their for, for their training you know and here you sort of fork out your soul yeah <laughs> yeah yes <laughs> the um and I mean that's not helping what I'm about to say is not going to change that because it's a similar it's a, yeah it's the same but um Littlebob trained it practically at university so the academic route but like a performance training through university so in a way I benefited from that when I collaborated with some of them uh during my Erasmus year um, and then when I um, yeah when I started working with them so it's also interesting like today it's a similar issue you know university fees are also very high um, but I find it interesting that in the UK it was and is possible also to train through a university degree and or a drama school degree uh, I think that's quite an interesting mm. like you know companies forming out of a university degree is quite exciting and I don't know the time in France was not a thing that happened. Mm. Might happen now. I don't know. <laughs> and colleges as well, some incredible colleges. That you yes. Know, you don't absolutely. need to sell, you don't need to sell your financial soul. Um no. <laughs> talking about collaboration, let's chat about your show, Stark Bollock Naked. So um yeah, let's hear all about it. Well, it's a multimedia tragic comedy about reproductive shelf life and abortion stigma. And we're using gynecological instruments. The lovely Eugenie here plays the speculum amongst others. <laughs> and we use those to make music. And we also have very intricate video mapping on, on the body, specifically mine. So I'm taped up and, and used as a human projection space for, for video mapping. And it's a show kind of dismantling, I guess, reproductive shelf life and, and this, this um, pressure of the biological clock so if if anyone has ever you know felt that I felt it very very strongly um when I turned 30 almost to a comical degree because I like to think of myself as being incredibly cultured and independent and rational so I didn't understand why suddenly things were out of my control and and what I felt was irrational biology was sort of taking over and I couldn't do very much to kind of calm down so we're trying to sort of cheekily subvert that and play with that. Um, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll just add, um, there's also some, I mean, uh, Larissa wrote um, wrote the show and so the text um, has some really beautiful poetry within it. And it's also very funny. I think you're doing, you're not just a canvas for the projection mapping. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you also do some amazing face and eye acting whilst you're uh, immobile, um, like still for the projections. So that's, I think that should be, um, should be noted. It's very interesting. <laughs> that is so true. Yes, because all that is left to me is some eye acting. <laughs> so I do some eye acting because literally I am immobile for, I would say, a good 60% of the show yeah. or so. Mm. And um, yes, I mean, Drama Centre is, I mean, definitely helping, you know. <laughs> 
it's a masterclass in eye acting, you know, if I ever saw one, haha. But yeah, this is all that you've got left to face. And, but it's actually quite interesting to be so constrained, you know, to only sort of have your have your eyes and your voice and that's it. And then thankfully there is Eugenie there because otherwise, you know. <laughs> but yeah, we, we use the, 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 the speculum and metal things. So you have sort of that kind of soundscape, the sort of, I guess, unpleasant things that you might hear at the gynecologist. Mm. The speculum and metal things has made me chuckle. <laughs> some of them are very disquieting. Yes. As in, there's some instruments that, um, I think there's also some obstetrics instruments, yes. but I've not Googled them. I don't want to know what they're used for. <laughs> <laughs> they look very... They're like a corkscrew, but metal. <laughs> it's such a fascinating subject and it will be, and brings up so many things for a lot of people. Um, and I wonder, like, through it, because you've said that you've had this show kind of together since 2019 and working on it. And I wonder what people's reactions have been to it from kind of day dot and kind of explaining where you're at. And then, wow. you know, yeah. That's a very interesting question. OK, so I'm going to be very upfront about it. Um, <laughs> Great. That's what we love. Persistent and nasty. Be as upfront as you want. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, uh, the the I wrote the show thanks to a commission actually. Um, I, there's this publishing house in Luxembourg who focuses on English language work, and they gave me a commission. They said you can write a short story or whatever format it is, but something a short piece. You can pick the theme and the style and the genre and anything. And I wanted to do something about the biological clock and abortion stigma for a while because I had made that experience and I felt like I need to get it out, but I didn't quite know how. And when I got that deadline, it sort of kind of the whole thing more or less came out, including that I wanted them to be mapping on the body. And then when we did the first work in progress sharing at CPT in 2019, I remember very, very vividly before going on thinking, why are you doing this to yourself? Why are you going to stand there naked, taped up? And, and if people don't laugh, it's going to be very, very, very long 20 minutes. But <laughs> thankfully, thankfully it went really well. And it was actually so, um, such an important moment because it was also the first time that I was putting myself out there in literally figuratively in any every way and then um I remember the book came out in Luxembourg and the the reviews were very mixed so there were a few like female journalists who were like oh what is what is this about and why do we need to to talk about this and and um and so I remember that sort of made me go oh okay but still I I, I was like ah now plow on after CPT and also because they said we really enjoyed it and we want to program the whole show if you make it and so I did and I found a co-production partner in Luxembourg and actually since then it's been going really well and we've had sold out runs and we've had great reviews so I think for me it has really been a learning experience in sort of managing this duality between the anxiety and the the imposter syndrome of you know, oh, what I'm making is shit and I am shit. And also at the same time, these sort of delusions of grandeur of, you know, what I'm making is great and groundbreaking. You know, they sort of, I feel like I switch between those uh, on a daily basis. I'm shit. Oh no, I'm the best thing that has ever, you know, walked the earth. And it was kind of a learning experience of kind of learning to trust myself, but also being open to what what people said, the feedback they gave and what, and to to know what is useful for my show. Um, and how how can that particular feedback inform the show and and elevate it? That feels like that's 
very much the experience of being an artist for me. Yes, well, you've <laughs> been at it longer. <laughs> but, but with seesaw between, why am I doing? Is this like, what? And then the, well, I don't know why, but I have to do it. It has to come out. Someone has to see it. Yeah. It's, it's quite an interesting, um, yeah, um, knife edge. I but mean, it's also really it's lovely when people do connect with it, especially, yeah. you know, like um, after that last show we did in Luxembourg, do you remember, we had um, these couple of women come over in our age group, because I think that's also important. You know, I'm 37. I do think that that is important to, I mean, it's not groundbreaking, but, you know, in the general context, um, saying there was this, I remember this Romanian woman who came up to me and, and she said, I've literally made the decision very recently to let this go. I'm now in my early 40s. It has been such a, a big thing for me, such a big, big weight on my mind to my parents expected of me back home. They want me to get married and have children and I just couldn't find my way. And I've made the decision recently to let this go and this show spoke to me. So that was really, really wonderful when you have these encounters, I think. Louise and I are doing our thing that we do when we're on Zoom and looking at each other to see who's going to ask the next question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah when it's the two of, it's not often the two of us but when it is it's that like dance of like oh it, I think she's going to unmute but I'm going to leave this one to Elaine because I feel like Elaine <laughs> may have some stuff to say <laughs> on that I mean I I mean I do but I do also kind of want you to share as well I think it's so fascinating as someone and and like you know people will come up to you I'm sure as you've said and say that and as someone who has tried for a really long time to have a baby and it is, and it hasn't happened. And the biological talk, clock thing that you're talking about is there will be people who I'm sure who are listening. They're like, yep, that was me. That was me. And then there was other people going, mm, I'm still waiting on mine. <laughs> it's not kicked in. Um, yeah. But I was very much almost so similar, like kind of hit 29. And it was like, tick, 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 tick. I was like, yes. I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. Um, and I think as well, like, and people who listen regularly will know I suffer from endometriosis. So I I was really lucky. I got diagnosed really young. So I've always known it was going to be a trickier road. Um, but yeah, it's been a really long path. So that just, you know, going to see a show and someone saying, I've let that go. I know that feeling. That's such a huge thing to even yeah. just share and what I think what you're doing then with your show is you're allowing women to be vulnerable in those moments and share it with each other but feel the support and know that there's no judgment yeah because I think there's something and Lou you might want to jump in on this as well um because we know quite a few um people who have all who have always been I don't want to have a kid and it's well, you're a woman, so what do you mean you don't want to have a kid? Yeah. I don't yeah. want to have a kid. Yeah, and that's just as bad. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think it's I think it's brilliant that you because it's in I've I'm all I've always been fascinated by this notion of the biological clock because fundamentally I don't have that ticking in my head. It's um I kind of knew quite early on in sort of early adulthood that I just I just kind of knew instinctively that kids weren't for me. Um, but I have been sort of you know, people very, very close to me, That's that's been different from them. And, and you know, Elaine's just touched on that, like people I love who have gone through, well, to hell and back over, over this, over the notion of having children, how they're going to have them, when they're going to have them, if they can have them, and then if they can, how. And um, 
I actually did a bit of research into what something I thought might be a theatre piece, but it might not be uh, about that. About you touched on it, um, Larissa. This you, I really related to what you said there about. I thought of myself um, as kind of calm and rational and, and and cultural and all this, and then suddenly something switched in your brain and this loss of control because suddenly this biological imperative kicks in and it's like yeah. suddenly you're split down the middle almost because there's the person who existed pr prior to that and then the biological imperative motivating something that you don't even recognize yeah. and I was really fascinated like about that and I think it's it sounds fantastic that you're I'm looking at your press release right now that's why I look that way um it's it sounds so fascinating to me that you're doing it in a funny and experimental and physical and theatrical way because I think also there is a lot of complexity to this including that there is a sort of dark hilarity to to this the way your body changes and 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 the fact that people are have so many people who you don't even know have opinions on your body and how you're going to use it and what you're what you're doing with your life so yeah 100%. it's fascinating I kind of feel like most life resides between tragedy and comedy like I'm, I'm you know I do I do feel like if you want to about your own personal experience if you want to laugh about it why shouldn't you if you want to make it you know funny and and maybe if I think about certain experiences um you know like for instance my abortion experience in the moment it wasn't funny but now I do think I mean it's it's a sort of a black humor and I think it's also a form of coping mechanism it's a it's something that just helps you get through it because no matter what you cannot undo it anyway it has happened and it is there and it informs who you are to some extent but um but it's something that that I really really connect to to hopefully find find this the surreal humor the dark humor the the strangeness of it what I, I personally really like about the show is that it um explores with honesty and uh, vulnerability those questions but without giving because so for instance after the last Luxembourg performance we had uh, a woman came to me and said that really resonated with me because I'm on the hunt I want to have a baby and uh, I'm trying to make it happen and it feel I feel really pressured and so what's really interesting to me is that it feels like it allows those conversations almost regardless of where you are or how you feel about it and um and I I mean I, I can only presume but I'm hoping that it also speaks to like a wide range of um of ages and um and gender experience because I think at the end of the day what it's about is about having agency over your own bodily experience as a, a being who's you know socialized and a bit of biology and um yeah and like lives in a context where um people have expectations or they'll say things um medicalized and it's just really interesting for me that it's yeah the show opens up those conversations but doesn't tell you um what you you know uh how to feel about us like there's no right or wrong it's just mm -hmm shall we talk about this because it's really heavy and whichever angle you're coming at it it's going to be quite difficult so um so yes I really like that about the show that it feels like it's yeah it's providing that space yeah I think that is, it sounds really <clears throat> no that's exactly what it sounds like to me and I think um I would love to 
touch on a little bit more about the kind of stigma around um, abortion termination and all of that because again again people's opinions come in on a lot of things so people have said to me in the past oh you've been trying for years like surely you must get really frustrated with people who have had a termination I'm like why why would I get frustrated with that why would I be upset by that why that's that's because you're putting that on me um, yeah. Just like you're putting that on someone else of going, well, you fit the gender binary or wherever you are in that of a quote unquote woman. So why haven't you got a child? Well, there could be a million reasons why that person doesn't have a child, um, that they don't want it, that they weren't born being able to have one, that they have and have lost and don't want to do that again. Like, you know, there's all of these things that get uh, talked about so I would really that stigma that surrounds that would love to touch a little bit more on that but I also do want to say I love that you're doing this with humor um because I don't want to see another show about a person who can't have a kid or has miscarried and it's de- it's like depressing because I fucking lived it mm. so yeah sometimes that's really lovely but I've seen plenty so give me the light-hearted and the the moments of complete mania almost where you're like I don't know where I'm at that are then funny later on because that's the thing that I think we can find our way through with yeah absolutely I mean just to add to that something that we haven't said yet but uh, we also play uh, a brain in the show so (laughs) I mean it does have a surreal twist (laughs) because why not Um, but the abortion stigma is a really interesting one for me personally because um, I was born in Romania during the, the communist dictatorship and there was no contra- contraception allowed because they had to build the great Romanian nation, right? So people had to, you know, whether you want it or not. And abortion was illegal, of course, but it still doesn't stop it from happening. Uh, so I know a, a lot of people in my mom's generation who have had abortions and it was something that it, it was, you know, extremely, uh, extremely dangerous because well, you could, you could die. They were just, you know, these backstreet abortions. And if you bled out and you needed to go to the hospital, doctors knew why you were there and then you would face prison. And so this topic of abortion was always discussed um, in, in our household as part of all the other lived experience under the dictatorship, the food shortages, the fact that they shot off your your heating and your electricity, those, um, you know, neighbors spying on each other. Uh, my, my gran was interrogated by the police because she made a joke about Honecker. So stuff, it was all, you know, this happened and that and this and that. So it was almost to an extent, I wouldn't say banal, but it was one of the things that were happening. So I never attached any sort of um, negative emotion or any sort of judgment to it. And I guess I only, I felt it and I was surprised to experience that my experience was this way and that I did encounter this stigma was when I had my, my abortion experience that was in, in Luxembourg and I, I encountered so much stigma from medical professionals. And in a way, it sort of confronted me with how I view Luxembourg, but I would say generally Western Europe, which might be a naive thing, but somewhere in my mind, it was still, and to some degree, I guess it still is, a beacon of democracy. This is where people live with, in, a, in a construct of 
bodily autonomy and freedom. This is where the law still means something. It doesn't mean that there isn't corruption. It doesn't mean that there isn't any of that, but you cannot compare it to a dictatorship and you can also not compare it really to a country that has come out of a dictatorship, but there was no work done. So essentially yesterday you were communist, bam, the regime has fallen, now you're a Democrat. So the same structures of corruption uh, uh, are still there. So I guess that was the first thing where I thought like, whoa, what's going on? Why are you a gynecologist and not providing that, uh, first of all, information, then the care that is part of your job and the law tells you to do it. Um, and I think abortion is one of the very few topics that uh, everyone has an opinion on. I mean, after that, I did a musical about abortions and no regrets. Anyway, so that everyone has an opinion on it and they will tell you their opinion, whether you <laughs> asked for it or not, they will come up to you and they will tell you. Male, female, it doesn't matter what gender, what ethnicity, what age, they will tell you their opinion. And um, and I feel like it's, if, if when people feel uneasy with abortion being discussed in a lighthearted manner or in a comedic manner or in a surreal tone, so essentially not in the dramatic genre, I would always do it, I would always encourage them to ask themselves why. Why is it only acceptable for you if we if we have to talk about abortion? All right, if you absolutely must, but then it has to be a tragedy. It has to be something where the character is being punished or where something bad happens and everything is sort of questioning why why that narrative exists. Why is this one of the very few human experiences that is relegated to one genre only? So I think it's quite a subversive act in a way to make a silly show about it. Thanks for that, Larissa. It's really um, important, powerful, and uh, just a reminder to everybody that maybe sometimes just don't give your opinion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> we don't always hear it um but I think it's like it's just as you say why does it always have to be the serious element to it when we take many other things in life that are super serious and put laughter around that so why can't we do that with this yeah yeah so start bollock naked <laughs> <laughs> um tell everybody where you're on when you're on times etc so they can come and see you and the brain and uh the speculum and some fabulous eye acting um <laughs> yeah so we're on at assemblies roxy downstairs from the 2nd to the 28th of august but we've got three days off because i mean you know my bones are tired and those <laughs> days off are the tuesdays tuesdays the 8th 15 and 22nd and then we've got relaxed performances on the 9th 16th and 23rd and we're on at 10 past three in the afternoon so it's perfect for a you know after you've done your nap or maybe afterwards you want to do your nap I mean it's a great great time <laughs> it is a really great time and uh, that's great that you've got relaxed performances going on as well and um, I love that you're taking a Tuesday off because it means that loads of people will come and see you on a Monday <laughs> because most other places are off on a Monday so you'll be nice and busy on those Mondays nice. so nice. yeah <laughs> make sure and get that out on all, all your socials that you're that on that is a such a such great advice I would absolutely do that thank you <laughs> you're so welcome yes <laughs> yeah um well I'm really looking forward to coming and seeing the show and I'm sure Louise is too 
Jay. I'm speaking for you, Lou. <laughs> I absolutely am. I'm, yes. <laughs> Thank you so much. I look forward to having you in the audience. Yes, yeah, start your week with the speculum. Oh. <laughs> I mean, when have I not? When have I not started my week with the speculum, frankly? You know? <laughs> Um, I will make sure and uh, link all the information for the show in today's show notes um, and just huge thank you to both uh, Eugenie and um, Larissa for coming on today. So we like to ask people what does the phrase persistent and nasty mean to you? Do you both look to each other? Did you know that was coming? No, no, no. no. I, I, I was like I motioned to Eugenie to speak because I felt you know I feel like I've been speaking a lot and so Eugenie. Oh um well, it um like a reclaiming of something that might have been thrown at um at women who are um not falling in line with what the patriarchy would like them to do, and yeah, adopting that and going, yeah, well, I'm going to be persistent, and guess what? I'll also be nasty. <laughs> nice. So yeah, that's what it feels to me. I love I love it. I love it. I love it. Perfect. I ten out of ten. You want you want this to be like in your bio. I would love to be able to like. Why did you come up with it? I mean, I I, I should have come up with it first. No, <laughs> I think it would be great to describe yourself as persistent and nasty. And I think persistent is such an to be persistent is such an important quality, and it's a it's a really tough one I think to uphold as time goes by, and then. Um, nasty it was never on my radar I mean I I thank I thank Trump thank you uh, Donald but but uh I've really embraced that but I and I also think it's just a lovely word in the mouth mm. when you say nasty it just makes you feel good in the mouth so I love saying it as well I think it's it's great to be a nasty woman a persistent and nasty person I think it's great <laughs> fantastic <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was actually from those two moments, um, the Elizabeth Warren, nevertheless, she persisted. And oh, yes, uh, of course. The, the nasty women Twitter storm from uh, the previous president uh, informing Hillary Clinton that, uh, you know, <laughs> dating to give her him facts. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you both so much. It has been a lovely chatting with you both. And um, again, for everybody, Start Bog Naked is on from the second. second. Thank you to the 28th um, at Assembly Roxy down the stairs. Um, yeah, and apart from Tuesdays. So go see it on Mondays when nothing go. else. Go on Mondays. Go on Mondays. Um, so yes, thank you. Thank you. Judy, and thank you, Larissa. And thanks, Laura. Thanks. Lovely to be here. I haven't been here for ages, so it's just been nice to listen to a podcast whilst also kind of being there. <laughs> um, until next time, lovely listeners. Stay, Stay nasty. 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 <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs>